And uh, Ryan, I think you gave out all the uh, pages. Everybody's got a book or a page. Good. All right, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, I mentioned last week that we were going to be getting into this uh, this week. And this is a, uh, this is, I, I believe this is very, very foundational to really everything that we've talked about. I think this could have, could have honestly been the first lesson we looked at and, and maybe should have, but this is, you know, we've, we've looked at a couple other things that are also foundational, um, but this is very, very basic to a marriage and very basic to the way that a marriage uh, has to work. And if it doesn't work this way, then, then everything's going to be off. God has given um, roles to the husband and roles to the wife. So uh, we're talking about this, this, whole, this whole lesson is called, Are We There Yet? We're talking about enjoying the journey and everything else. And so uh, when you talk about traveling, and, and we just dealt with all of this when we traveled, is, is the idea of currency. And, uh, you know, uh, foreign currency can be tricky. Uh, and it can be difficult to understand. Now, when we went to Romania and Moldova and everything, you know, those two were both different. I finally got to the point where I where I had a pretty good understanding of it. But it, it um, for instance, um, the American dollar. By the way, the euro was at like a dollar. It was like one one uh, one point one two euros per dollar. Well, I just I looked it up to kind of get the the you know the most recent rate, and the euro has actually dropped below the dollar now. So it's only. Point ninety euros for one dollar, which that's which is good. And I was shocked when I looked at that. And I said, "Wow, that's that's really the first time that the, the dollar has actually been stronger than the euro." Um, but point uh, seven six pounds, British pounds to one American dollar. When it comes to the Romanian lei, it was four uh, right now four thirty four uh, Romanian lei, seventeen forty six Moldovan lei for uh, American dollar. So. Uh, you know, and you can, I mean, there's all kinds of different, you know, foreign currencies and things like that that we could do the exchange on. But if you don't study the exchange rates before you go, uh, before you get to a country, it's pretty easy to get taken advantage of. And um, uh, I, was, I was just blown away. I mentioned this when, when I uh, kind of did the presentation on that Sunday night of, of our trip, but I was just blown away by how cheap it made everything over there. You know, and, and I just, I, I used this example before, I think, but we went into the store and uh, a pack of 10 Panasonic batteries was uh, 195 Moldovan lei. And when I did the exchange rate for uh, the American dollar, it came to 11 cents. <laughs> I was just, you know, I was just blown away by how cheap, I mean, 11 cents for a pack of 10 batteries, you know? Of course, they might last only 11 seconds, but <laughs> they was still, you know, you could get a, a pack of batteries for that cheap. But sometimes it works the opposite way, you know, and you can get taken advantage of it. If you forget to calculate the exchange rate when you're making a purchase, you may end up spending significantly more than what you anticipated. And, um, you know, I think it, it did work this way when we were coming back. Um, uh, a lot of the, the airports and things were in euros. And so I'm looking at these. We had, we had just come from Romania where everything was, you know, really inflated because if it was 20 if it was 20 lei, it was really like 4 or $5, you know? Well, I hear I'm looking at 20 euros and thinking, okay, that's only 4 or $5, you know? And I go to buy, you know, then I started putting two and two together, and I said, wait a second, that's actually more than $20, you know? And, and that's what happens. Sometimes you forget the exchange rate. You can, you can uh, end up spending significantly more than what you anticipated you were going to spend. And, and I think in marriage, um, heart conversion is a lot like currency. You'll, you'll, you'll understand what I mean by that. 
uh, in a minute, but it's, it's a lot like currency conversion. When you think about it, marriage is the perfect scenario for misunderstandings. Um, you know, and it's not because I, I'm right and my spouse is wrong, but it's because, you know, I forget sometimes that the real currency of my heart into the real currency of my spouse's heart. It has, to, that exchange has to be made because we're different, you know, uh, uh, and, and so what we're going to look at in this, in this lesson this week and next is that we're going to use the comparison of foreign currency um, and, and look at the differences between husbands and wives and learn basically, especially from this passage in Ephesians chapter 5, how following God's instructions regarding marriage uh, helps us to meet each other's greatest needs. And there's a great need that a husband has, and there's a great need that a wife has. Two main, each one has one main need that's given to us in the Bible. So let's look at this first of all. Uh, in fact, let's, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, and, and we'll look at verse number 22 and get an overall view of this passage, and then we're going to kind of look at it in some detail. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. So what we want to look at first of all, and this, is, uh, this will be in your book or on your sheet there, currency differences. I told you we're going to kind of be making the, parent, the, the comparison of the currency exchange, and that's kind of what we're going to stay focused on with this entire, uh, this entire lesson. But for all the sameness that attracted you and your spouse, wives to husbands, husbands to wives, together there's, there's this, this pesky fact that there's an overriding, uh, th- that, that overriding attraction was in what also made you different, uh, man versus woman. Uh, man is different from woman. And so even though you have a lot of common interests or a lot of things that, that drew you together, there's a fundamental difference. One's a man, one's a woman. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. By the way, there's not 40 whatever different genders there are on now. There's two. Biologically, there's a male. And biologically, there's a female. There is no in-between. And for 7,000 years, it's been that way until the last 10. And now all of a sudden, there's 18 million different genders. And you just pick what you feel like. You know, It's amazing to me. And I don't want to get off on a, on a tangent with this, but this is important, the, the idea that, that it's one man and one woman for life. And it's not one, you know, cisgendered whatever or, or transgendered this or any of those kind of things. Uh, God created one man and one woman, and he expected them to be together for life. Um, you know, it's, it's funny how, how a lot of people, media types and things like that, want to use that argument in favor of the things that they agree with, and then they want to use that argument against, you know, man, and man versus woman, you know? I, I just saw something yesterday, and this is the same thing that goes with the idea of abortion, you know? How come when you find a, you know, a, a molecule of, you know, um, of mold on Mars, you're finding life? But then when you have a baby in the womb with a heartbeat, it's not life. You know, tell me, if you found a baby, a fetus with a heartbeat on Mars, 
they would be flipping over themselves talking about how they found life on Mars. But then because it's a baby in the womb, they don't want to call it life. How does that even make sense? You know? Uh, but it's the same thing with, with genders, with male and female. So we instinctively know that male and female are different, men and women are different, but we forget that those differences are deeper than biological differences. Obviously, there's a biological difference, but they have to do with how we think, how we feel, how we respond, and with the deepest needs of our heart. So on the surface, some of these differences are easily explained by personality types, by backgrounds. You know, I'm different from my wife because, you know, of this. For me, I grew up in the, you know, the Midwest. I didn't grow up in the North. I grew up in the Midwest. She grew up in the South, you know. She grew up uh, believing the South was right. I grew up knowing the truth. Um, <laughs> hey, I got the pulpit, so I can say anything I want right now. No, I'm kidding. But there's differences. There's differences in the background. There's differences in, you know, in your, in, in everything. But the, but the differences go deeper than, than just that, you know. I'm talking about something that God embedded in the very makeup of men and women. And not just that, oh, your background is different than, than him and his, back, his, you know, his experiences are different than yours. In our very makeup, all men are this way, all women are this way. So let's, let's look at this. First of all is that we have the same grace. Before we start looking at the differing needs between husbands and wives, I, I want to emphasize the fact that, uh, that, that neither type of need currency is more valuable than the other. Uh, no spouse, not one of the spouses, is not more worthy of value than the other spouse. Uh, the two currencies have the same value. Um, they just happen to be two different currencies. And if you think about it, all right, uh, one, let's just, let's just say that for, for the sake of the illustration, that one euro is, is equal to one American dollar. They have the same value. They're just different currencies, Right? A euro is used in, in a different place than the American dollar is used, but they still have the same value. 17 Moldovan lei is still equal to one American dollar, right? It's just that one is a different currency than the other. doesn't mean that one necessarily, I mean, 17 Moldovan lei is exactly equal to one American dollar. So it doesn't mean that one has more value than the other necessarily, and it's the same thing in a marriage. Uh, think of the description, and you can look at this here. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7, as being heirs together of the grace of life. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. You've heard that song sung before. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. In, in, in Christ, a husband and wife have equal footing before God. Um, we have equal value, equal standing before God. We're heirs together of God's grace, and it's this togetherness in grace that's one of the greatest joys in a Christian marriage. Um, Colossians chapter 3 also emphasizes that truth. Uh, verse 11, where, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And there's kind of a corresponding passage with that in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. And that kind of elaborates on it just a little bit further. Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And, and honestly, think about this. The Bible says that in heaven we're, we're neither married nor given in marriage. We're all the same before God in heaven and the same thing on earth. When, when we're Christians, when we're saved, we're all the same before God. No one husband or wife has more value than the other when we stand before God. So when we speak of differences in needs, Differences in responsibilities, differences in roles between a husband and a wife uh, in a marriage. We're not talking about differences in intrinsic value. We're, we're all the same before God. We're, we're just referring to the fact that the differences between men and women, husband and wives, go deeper 
uh, than the obvious surface differences. Now, as humans, we all have equal value as being made in the image of God. And as believers in Christ, we all have equal standing before God. I'm just as you know, saved as my wife. My wife is, it can get just as close or closer to God than I can. Uh, doesn't mean that, you know, it, but in a marriage, we have varying needs and responsibilities. And so a good marriage is one in which both spouses learn to understand and learn to fulfill the needs of the other. So the second thing then is this, different needs. So this, this, the first point was, was basically what I'm trying to establish here is that before God, we are the same. Um, the roles are different. And sometimes, you know, and, and we're going to talk about this, but sometimes um, husbands, I think, get the idea that they're more important because of their role in the marriage. Not more important. Don't have more value. Your role is different. That's all it comes down to. So different needs. There are four main passages in the New Testament. I want to look at each one of these, and if you can, turn with me to those passages. Um, and, and so turn over to Ephesians. Well, we're in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at this one first. But there are four main passages in the New Testament that address uh, both husbands and wives in the same passage. And it's pretty interesting here that, that three of these highlight the different roles and responsibilities between a husband and a wife in a marriage. And also in all three of these passages, God repeats a specific instructions to, uh, to wives and a specific instruction to husbands. And I believe that those instructions highlight both of the greatest needs. And that's what we're, that's what we're getting in this lesson. So we've, we've said, first of all, that, that there... There's no difference between a husband and wife before God, but we do have different needs and different roles and different responsibilities, and these three passages here give us those different roles. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. There's the roles that are given. Husband's supposed to love his wife. The wife is supposed to reverence her husband. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18 and 19. Wives. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 1, likewise ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands. Verse 7, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. You know, people say uh, sometimes it's, it's people who don't want to fit into these roles that God has given a husband and that God has given a wife that, oh, well, you're taking Ephesians 5 out of context. It doesn't mean exactly what you're saying it means. The husband's not the, you know, the, the, the big macho leader and the wife doesn't have to follow. Okay, fine. Throw Ephesians 5 out. There's a lot of other passages and we just looked at two more that say the exact same thing. Okay, we have different needs. The, the, the wording is a little bit different in each passage, but at the heart of each one of these passages is an instruction to wives to give respect and a yielded spirit to their husbands and an instruction to husbands to give tender love to their wives. So what it comes down to is this. Wives respect, husbands love. Wives respect, husbands love. So those two commands directly address the basic needs of a husband and the basic needs of a wife. Um, it's, 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 it's really universal that a wife needs to feel loved. And it doesn't mean that, that you know, um, husbands don't need or don't want love. They absolutely do. But women need the assurances of love. They, they need their husbands to express that love tenderly. They need that love expressed frequently. Uh, and it's universal need of a husband to feel respected. You know, uh, once again, every, every human being 
needs and deserves respect. But men have a deep need for respect. Um, and, and in the same way that a wife needs her husband to express that sacrificial love, a husband needs his wife to express that committed respect. And so that's, that's what we're going to look at here. Currency types, that's number two. Currency types, and this is, this is very, very important. Um, and, and I hope we can get through this. We might only get through the husband. We'll get to the wife next week. But interestingly, these, these needs correspond with the biblical roles of men and women in a marriage. Husbands are to provide leadership. They're commanded to nurture and cherish their wives. And, and we already read through Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 23 through 29. So we're not going to read all of that again. But it says we, we can look at this. Uh, and, and we will look at this in a lot more detail as we get through this point. But a wife giving, and this is, this is so key. This is so key. It's not just that, oh, you're demanding respect because you're the husband, or, oh, you're demanding that I love you because you're the wife. When the wife gives the respect to the husband that he deserves, then she is allowing him to fulfill the role that God has designed him to fulfill as the husband. If he doesn't have the respect of his wife, then he cannot fulfill that God-given role. And if a wife is not being given the love and the affection and the assurances of that love by her husband, then she can't fill that role as a, uh, the, of that God-given role as a wife. So, um, and so wives are, are to support their husbands by following their leadership and, and demonstrating a peaceful spirit. Look at, look at 1 Peter chapter 3. We have that given to us right there in this passage. But verse number 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. What is that saying? This is talking about a wife who is saved and a husband who is not. Now, the Bible also says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You should never marry an unbeliever. But what happens if a wife gets saved after they're married and the husband's not saved? Look what he says. Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, in other words, if they don't follow Jesus Christ, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wife. That word conversation in the King James Bible is lifestyle. That's what that word means. And so without the Bible at all, a husband could be won to the Lord by the way that a wife gives that respect to the husband, by her lifestyle, by the way that she treats him. Verse 2, while they behold your chaste conversation, your chaste lifestyle coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Boy, I wish we had a lot more time to go into this. This is the role that's given to a woman in a marriage. It doesn't say that you can't, you know, plating your hair, wearing of gold, putting on of a pair. It doesn't say you cannot do those things, but it, it says that your, your job as a woman and your value as a woman is not in those things. It says that your value as a woman is in verse number four, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible because all of those other things that he talked about in verse number three can go away. Clothes, clothes are going to go away. You know, your hair is going to, you know, turn white or turn out one of the two, right? Your, you, you know, all the gold and everything else is, is going to be gone someday. You may not have any of it. 
Those things are corruptible. But, he says, a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. A woman that has that doesn't need all those other things. And those things, a meek and quiet spirit, are where the value in a woman is. So a husband that is freely and frequently demonstrating tender love to his wife provides the security that she needs to fulfill her role. And of course, you know, in a healthy marriage, no one has to make a choice between love and respect. You ought to be given both. Um, both of the spouses ought to be given love and respect to the other. But the specific command of God related to marriage highlights the greatest need that each spouse has as well as what tends to be the greatest challenge for each spouse to give, right? It's, our culture has by and large resisted the roles that God built into marriage. And you see that more and more and more with the empowerment of women. Now, here's something that's very important. The Bible doesn't say that every woman, every woman is supposed to be subservient to every man. It doesn't say that. This is within a marriage. A husband is supposed to be the leader of the home. The wife is supposed to give that husband the respect and the leadership role in the home. It doesn't mean that every woman is, has to follow the, the leading of every man. Well, I'm a man. You're a woman. You have to do what I say. No, it doesn't say that. But what's happening is People misunderstand that, and so now women are freeing themselves from the home, right? No man is going to tell me what to do, right? But when it comes to your husband, yes, he should be. He's the leader of the home. We're going to talk about that as we get into it. But um, um, the culture is resisting those roles of a husband and of a wife because they claim that they're stereotypical in some way or that they're so, somehow they're oppressive, you know, uh, whatever they may be, they're not oppressive. They're God's design for the gift that he created. Now, think about this. You have a user manual in your car, right? When you have a, uh, a question about your car, you look it up in the manual, you never assume that the car manufacturer wrote that manual with a malicious intent, right? You never assume that he wrote that with the intent to make the car less pleasant for you to drive, Right? Uh, you assume that following the manual will make your car last longer, make your experience in your car better. But then all of a sudden, when it comes to the manual that God gives us in the Bible about the roles of a husband and wife, oh, God only did that because he's trying to oppress women. You know, God hates women, so he's trying to, you know, he's trying to put them down in a lower position. God has called a husband to provide loving, servant leadership in the home. And he has called a wife to give honor and submission to her husband. So following the roles that God embedded in the creation of marriage uh, is, 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 is integral to your enjoyment of it. Understanding these roles, learning how to, uh, to operate and, and how to function within those roles that God gave us is absolutely necessary for your happiness and for your marriage to work. The same way that a manual in a car works for your happiness and for the car to work the right way, right? It doesn't change because, oh, God had, you know, God had malicious intent when he wrote that in the Bible. I mean, even saying that sounds, sounds foolish. You know? God didn't have malicious intent when he wrote those things. He had our best interest at heart when he wrote them. That's why he wrote them. And that's what the manual says on how a marriage is supposed to work. Do you think it's not going to work? If you fit in with those roles that God gave you specifically, 
Too many couples want their spouse to give in to the way that God instructs uh, them to act in Ephesians chapter 5, but they're not willing to give back what God instructed them to do, you know? The husband, the husband wants that respect, but a lot of times he's not willing to give his, the, his wife the love that she deserves. The wife wants the love that he can give her, but a lot of times she doesn't want to give him the respect that he deserves. So, in other words, although a husband and wife may not like what the Bible says about their own role in marriage, no spouse thinks that the other person's role is unimportant. The wife wants to be loved. The husband wants to be respected. But, well, who does he think he is to demand respect from me? Who does she think she is to demand that I love her, you know? Um, but, hus you know, hus husbands sometimes struggle with being a loving servant leader. He wants his wife to respect him. And the same thing is true with the wife. You know, she may struggle with following her husband's leadership. And she wants, but she wants him to, to, you know, to freely give and freely communicate that affectionate love. But when each spouse um, will embrace and will fulfill their own roles in a marriage, then everything works the way that it's supposed to work. Uh, remember that the goal is in understanding these roles is not selfish, you know, so that your spouse can do a better job in relating to you. Um, the goal is that you know how to give grace and love to each other in the currency that they, that they most easily understand, Right? We understand American dollars, and that's what we're talking about. This whole thing is, you know, the idea of paying with foreign currency and the exchange rate and all that stuff. For us, we understand American dollars. So I'm not going to go give my wife Moldovan lei, you know. It doesn't make sense because she can't use it. She doesn't understand it, you know. She understands American dollars, so I'm going to give her the, the money in American dollars. And it's the same thing. I ought to be giving her her due respect and her due benevolence and all those other things in a currency that she understands. And the currency that she understands is affectionate love and, and the things that, that she deserves. So we, I want to look at these more closely, these currencies more closely, and then examine how to make currency conversion in marriage. Um, kind of for the sake of clarity, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, um, but we looked at all the others that, that, that say the exact same thing. And so we're going to reference those as we go throughout that. But um, I also want to remind you, and we talked about this last week, but I want to remind you as well, and if you're still in Ephesians chapter 5, you can look back at this, but I think it's very interesting that just before God gives all of the gender roles Amen. Amen. for what a husband ought to do and what a wife ought to do in a marriage, the first thing that he says is that basically in order for these things to work, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says that in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. To be, able to, give your, to, to be able to give to your spouse in ways that God commands, ways that often go directly against our nature, we have to first be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to be willing to surrender ourselves to following Jesus Christ and to following these gender roles that he's given us. James chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7, and we'll end with this. We'll, we'll get into this next week. We're just, we're running out of time, but James chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, but he giveth more grace Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So, I'll give you this. I'll give you letter A, and then we'll get into it next week. But a husband's currency is respect. A husband's currency is respect. The currency a husband most needs and understands is respect. That's why God instructs wives to demonstrate that respect. We'll look at that next week. Uh, when we come to Ephesians, oh, we've we still got a couple minutes. Let's, let's get into this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, 
even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. We should be able to just read that and stop because that is about as plain as it can possibly be on what a wife's role is to her husband. But that, you know, that this passage begins with the instruction to the wife, I think underscores the importance of her role. Um, when either spouse fulfills their role, regardless of the other one's obedience to their roles, uh, it can make a tremendous difference in a marriage. But when a wife gets the ball in motion, uh, it's, it has an even more powerful effect because it changes the whole spirit of the relationship. And, I, and I, I believe that's why God gave the instructions to the wife first. If the wife would give her husband the respect that he deserves, now, it doesn't mean that the husband, you know, well, she doesn't respect him, so he doesn't have to love her. No, he ought to love her whether she respects him or not. She ought to respect him whether he loves her or not. That's the role that God gave us. But when a wife gets that ball rolling by giving the husband that respect that he deserves in the marriage, now that Greek word translated submit, wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands, is hupotasso. That's the Greek word. It means to arrange under, to subordinate, to subject oneself. This is a decision that's involved with this. Because this is, this is uh, the way that this word is, is um, used grammatically. It's a, voluntary, uh, it's a voluntary submission. It's a willing choice. Uh, a wife has to make, a, a husband cannot, I mean, I mean, I suppose he could, but a husband cannot demand respect. The wife has to give it. And that's why you see what happens so many times in, in marriages that uh, the wife is taking the leadership role and she tells her husband what to do and everything else. You know what happens? The husband finally gets tired of fighting and trying to tell her what to do because she's not going to do it anyway. So finally he just says, all right, fine. Tell us what we're going to do. And then he starts to follow his wife. Essentially, the wife has to give that role to her husband. She has to give him that respect. I mean, I could tell my wife all day long what I want her to do, but if she decides that she's not going to do it, what am I going to do, spank her? <laughs> you know, discipline her, put her in a corner and, you know, not give her anything but food, you know, bread and water because she's not obeying me? I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. That's, that's inhumane. But I could tell my wife all day long what I want her to do, and she can decide not to do it. She can decide not to give me that respect. So a husband cannot demand that his wife give him respect. She has to voluntarily give it to him. And that's why the wife's role is so important. You know, um, Joyce Rogers, she wrote a, a book about this or, or did a, 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 a seminar on it or something along those lines. But she, uh, she said in relation to the wife's role in marriage, to provide submission is a wonderful concept. Jesus became the ultimate illustration of its validity. Although he was co-equal and co-eternal with the Father, he was completely submissive to the Father's will. John chapter 8 and verse 29, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. You think about it. How many times in the Bible does it say that Jesus was equal to God? He was God. Right? And yet Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. What happened in the garden? Father, not my will, but thine be done. Right? That's what he said. But that didn't make Jesus any less important than God. It didn't make Jesus any, you know, less valuable than God. They were co-equal. They were the same. 
They were on the same page, but Jesus willingly submitted himself. And that's exactly what God is talking about in the role of a wife. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands, even as the church submits themselves unto Christ, right? We're co-equal. I'm not more important than my wife because I am the leader of the home. I'm not more important than my wife because she's, she's required to give me that respect. It doesn't make me more important. It just means that that's my role and that's her role. And when I do my role and when she does hers, then the marriage works the way God intended it to work. I tell people this all the time when I'm, you know, when I'm, when I'm, they're going through struggles in their marriage or something like that. Two, something with two heads is not better. It's grotesque, right? Something with two heads does not work better because you have two heads. It's, 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 it's abnormal, right? And so when you have a husband that's trying to lead his home and a wife who is also trying to lead the home, that's not something better. It's something that's grotesque, right? How many companies do you know of that have two presidents? You know, why don't we have two presidents of the United States? Because somebody has to be the leader. You know, why don't we have two pastors in this church? Because somebody has to be the leader. God puts us in those assignments. God gives us those roles, and we have to run with it. It doesn't mean that because I'm the pastor of this church that I'm any more important than any of you. We're all the same before God. He just happened to put me in the role as the leader of this church. I'm the one that has to make the decisions for the direction the church will go. Your, my job is to lead. Your job is to follow. The same thing is true in a marriage. doesn't mean that the husband's any more important than the wife. doesn't mean that the husband is more valuable than the wife. But God put the husband in the position of leadership and the wife in the position that she is to respect and to honor her husband. When we fit in those roles, it works. What if five of you decided that you wanted to be the pastor this week? Everybody, everybody wrote a message, and you, you know, five people up here fighting to, to decide who's going to preach this morning, right? It would be chaos. It wouldn't be something better. And the same is true in a family. When a, when a wife tries to take the role of leader in the home, everything falls apart. But when she willingly and voluntarily gives her husband that respect and gives him the leadership role in the home, everything works. Everything works. We're going to get into some more of that as, long, as well as uh, the role uh, or the, the needs of a wife in a marriage uh, next week. Let's pray, and we'll get ready for our morning service. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for how clear we have the, the uh, definitions in the Word of God. I pray that you'd help us as husbands to love our wives, as wives to respect our husbands. And God, that you would help us as we try to fit into those roles that you gave us to do that our marriages would be strengthened, and that we'd be able to do more for you because of it. Pray that you bless the service here in the next hour. We'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.